Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 332, Feb 27, 2020. 58 degrees on this day in 2016, and it was uh, as chilly as 22 below on this day in 1879. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on production, Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop, here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. We're joined by Scott Johnson, attorney Scott Johnson, now retired as an attorney, right Scott? Correct. And you've been writing for Powerline blog since it went online, right? 18 years ago. Yeah, 2002. Survival's the name of the game. Why, why, how did Powerline come about? Uh, you know, Joe, I'd been writing with my law partner, uh, John, John Hinderocker, yeah. uh, op-ed columns and magazine articles on the side of our law practice. And it really, when I try to think back, I wonder, what the heck were we doing? You know, we were writing articles that were guaranteed to anger you know, half the judges we would appear before. But right. I think, I, as I think back on it, I, my theory was if, if I was doing it with John, we'd be okay. He, he's really an incredible lawyer. But um, that evolved after 911 on right. the internet and a home on a Memorial Day weekend in 2002 John went to the blogger software and set up this site which took about 5 minutes didn't have a name for it and turned to his kids who had a friend over who suggested the name Powerline when he was at a loss and he called me up and asked me to start contributing to that as I had to all these articles and columns that I had contributed to that we had written with a joint byline. We were writing as John Hinderocker and Scott Johnson partners, uh, law partners at, at, in Minneapolis. What, what motivated that? What was your worldview that compelled that? Um, well, you know, with being conservatives, I, I, I'd like to go back 10 years before Powerline started. The thing that motivated it is the St. Paul Pioneer Press, Joe, was running what seemed to be an endless series of articles with syndicated newspaper articles, um, America, What Went Wrong mm -hmm. by Barlett and Steele, these mm -hmm. Pulitzer Prize winning reporters. And here they were trying, they were portraying the Reagan era, which we had just lived through. This was in the summer of 1992, right. as uh, akin to the Great Depression. And usually you have to wait a generation or two to, to, to try to pull off revisionist history like that. But here these we just lived through it. And right. here, here these guys were doing that. So John called up Ron Clark, the editorial page right. editor. I was sitting in his office. John had his feet up on his desk and asked for equal space on the editorial page to, to respond to these guys. And Ron, I can't believe it, said... Well, I can't give you equal space, but we'll give, I'll give you a column. Right. So we wrote uh, a 700-word column on the economic impact of the Reagan era. And, you know, that was as much fun as we were having at the time. Uh, practicing law is pretty, pretty uh, tough way to make a living, pretty intense. So uh, one thing led to another. We were off and running. So that was like 10 years of, of op-ed columns and magazine articles. And... Uh, uh, and, and when the internet came along, John thought that would be a great outlet for what we were doing. We wouldn't have to worry about editors or interesting somebody um, in what we were doing. All we needed was to develop an audience. Well, mm -hmm. that was the hard part. It took a while. When we started, I, I would say we probably had our immediate family, and I'm not sure about all of But it's become But it's become uh, highly readable. It's become successful. It was really successful very quickly. Um, Hugh Hewitt started talking about us mm -hmm. in, the, in the summer of 2002. My friend Ben Whitney was running. Norm, I know Ben was running Norm Coleman's Senate campaign, right. and Hugh was really interested in the Minnesota race. And uh, the Minnesota poll was doing its thing back then. The Star Tribune had this in-house poll, which I always thought was skewed against Republicans by about five or six point, points. I had, and I'd had a conversation with that pollster. Uh, in the year 2000, I kept the notes. I didn't write anything up. But uh, w when the same thing was happening in 2002, I asked Ben. They were showing Norm way down against Wellstone. And I asked Ben, is that what your internal polling is showing? And Ben sent me their polls and mm -hmm. authorized me to post them on Powerline. And I started mm -hmm. doing that. And Hugh started talking about us. And, and one day I was driving home and, and all, uh, heard him talking about about the site. I just about dro drove off the side of the road uh, 
And so really from within a, within a month or two, we had enough readers to let us know that we were reaching people. And, you know, I can't – by 2004, we were invited to cover the Republican presidential convention at Madison Square Garden. And John went up and did so on Radio Row. We were credentialed uh, to cover the convention like uh, reporters and did an incredible job in I'm trying to establish, uh, not for me, I'm trying to establish for the listeners uh, that you, you guys are a credible and reliable source. Uh, you, you, you vet your material pretty well, I take it. Well, you know, I've been doing it, as I say, we were doing it for conventional outlets, the Pioneer Press, the Star Tribune, National Review, the Weekly Standard, for 10 plus years before we started doing it online, and we certainly have held ourselves to journalistic standards in doing it online. Let's cut to the present, and if you don't want to, you take me back at any point in time you wish to, but tell me how you got interested in writing about Ilhan Omar and why. In mid-August uh, 2016, Omar won the DFL primary and knocked off the 22 for, for the uh, state legislative seat in, in Little Mogadishu on the West Bank of Minneapolis. And uh, she knocked off a 22-term incumbent, Phyllis Kahn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd grown up with her right. in the state legislature. She right. was a, a progressive legend in Minnesota. And the Star Tribune, you know, had a headline for that story on Wednesday morning like Dewey defeats Truman, like right. this was the most earth-shattering kaboom of all time. and uh, It was, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> I, I, I thought it reflected mostly demographic changes in that part of town, and right. that's what interested me at the beginning. I've learned more since then. I think it was more than that, but, uh, but, but that was part of it. And, and I wrote about that in that way on Wednesday morning. And on Thursday, I got an email from a reader mm-hmm. saying, take a look at this, and, and clicked on the link. And it took me to a site called Somali Spot, mm-hmm. uh, which seemed to be, have uh, posts and social media material from inside the Somali community that talked about Ilhan Omar's plural marriages, the second of which was fraudulent for immigration purposes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, I wondered how to check that out, this business of two marriages. Right. And I, I was as I was researching it online, I discovered, I wonder if you know this, there's such a thing as a Minnesota online marriage d- database. I did not know that. And I, and I put in Ilhan Omar's <laughs> name, and up popped the two marriages, one in 2002 and one in 2009, exactly as this Somali spot post indicated. And, um, and But the 2002 marriage... Uh, was with her advertised husband and father of her kids. I looked at her site, at Ilhan Omar's political site for the state legislative race, and um, I, I thought, that's interesting. What happened? To, she's still married to this guy, Ahmed Elmi, mm-hmm. in, in, in 2009. What happened to him? So I called and emailed the contact number on Omar's campaign website, um, and... I reached the campaign spokesman on her way into work at Hennepin County Government Center. She told me, uh, we'll get back to you th- this afternoon. I, I said, you must. I, so, so I sent an email. She said, email me. Uh, and I said, you must know that there's this Somali spot post out there about Ilhan Omar's two marriages and the second marriage to her brother. Uh, I, I wonder if you can comment on it for me. So I sat on it till I, I heard back from mm-hmm. them. And... Uh, late that afternoon, I got an email message back from a criminal defense attorney named Gene Brandle. This was Friday afternoon now. Mm-hmm. I got an email uh, email back from Gene Brandle, which was what we've grown accustomed to. It was a, an, an abusive message attacking me personally mm-hmm. as a bigot. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. It's, you know, a non-response response. Right. Um, and... Um, I, I brought the copy of that along. Uh, I, I wrote this up for the Manhattan Institute's magazine, City Journal, and, and called it The Curious Case of Ilhan Omar. When, when we'd gone a few weeks further in, into early September 2016, I, I include this email message, but it's just an attack on me. 
So uh, and, by and the she, lawyer, by the lawyer representing Ilhan Omar, and I knew the lawyer, and it's like it was supposed to scare me. She concludes that she gives me a statement from Ilhan Omar attacking me personally, and she concludes by saying, "If you have any further questions regarding this matter, please d- direct them to me in writing, so we have a record of any further communication." Mm-hmm. Like like that that was supposed to uh, give me the shivers or something like right. that. But I knew who she was. She she had represented one of the Somali terrorist defendants in the case before. Judge Davis, uh, I call it the case of the Minnesota man. She had one of the defendants who pleaded guilty. I'd seen her in court at trial for the three guys who uh, who went to trial and were convicted. I had covered that case in May of 2016, a few months earlier. And Gene Brandle didn't impress me. And a criminal defense lawyer doesn't scare me. It makes me think maybe Ilhan Omar has something to hide. Uh, two marriages. Uh they're not in doubt. The two marriages are not in so, doubt. It's unbelievable. I was a little off. The first marriage was that was in the Minnesota Marriage Database 2002 to Ahmed Hersey uh, reflected an application for a marriage certificate that they didn't go through with. Okay. They were married, according to them. Uh, in the faith tradition, right? So, but she was married to Ahmed Hersey, and, and, and he you was have the no doubt that that can be proven. Um, I, I haven't seen the. Uh, the the but according to my sources, right. they they were married uh, Islamically, right. not not as a matter of law. So it's not like they were they were bigamous as a matter of law. But there's no question in 2009, not we have the marriage certificate. Right. She married Ahmed Noor Saeed Elmi, and, and that, uh, her apparently is her brother. Yes. Okay. And she married him for what purpose? I believe. I believe it to be immigration fraud, but it could also have been, or could have rather have been, um, they went to school together at NDSU mm-hmm. in Fargo, and it could have been for student loan purposes, but according to my sources, it was uh, for purposes. The brother was living in London. Right. And, you know, there are, there are a number of indicia of fraud regarding the marriage. Um, I was told that just... Uh, last year, they've scrubbed social media in a number of respects, but uh, one of the reporters, I I hosted a number of reporters who came through town on this story in Mm -hmm. 2019, and one of them called me up when he he got home and said, say, Ahmed Elmi has reemerged on Instagram. And it's not that I care, but it just bears on this this story. He's, He's flagrantly gay. And in fact, I, I was told that he, they had brought him over here at age 17. He went to high school and, and graduated from a St. Paul high school. But they were trying to straighten him out. He was, he's, he's a, was a British citizen mm-hmm. living a life in London with his sister, uh, his sister Layla Noor Saeed Elmi, is what I believe the story to be. And, and I believe she has a brother as well in, in London, Mohammed Noor Saeed Elmi. And when I started looking at this in August of 2016, Omar had gone to London. This is before anything had happened in the Twin Cities. She had gone to London to announce that she would be running for the state legislature in Minnesota because she got a brother there. And as I recall the video that was posted on Facebook, she was introduced by this Mohammed Noor Saeed Elmi. Um, and that, as I was, you know, when, when I got going on this story, I posted the, my exchange with her campaign and the Somali spot stuff. It's all in my first post in August of 2016 on Powerline, Ilhan Omar, her back pages. Have you been able to talk to her ever? Never. No, uh, she won't talk to us is, either. No, and she won't talk to the Star Tribune. Now, don't, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. She won't talk to anyone. I don't really take it personally. No, no. I it, did for a while. No. This, and the, the people who've tried to do this st- story are Amy Forlitti at the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't talk to Amy. Uh, Stephen Montemayor and Patrick Hulican at the Star Tribune. She wouldn't talk to them. Uh, she wouldn't talk to me. Just accuse me of being a bigot. This sounds like a, a, a naive question because I think I know the answer. But let's try to simplify this. What are we trying to get to the bottom of? Well, I just started with this as a story. Is it true? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I am. She's committed many crimes, and there's a law enforcement aspect. That's what you were talking about last week, but. She married her brother. Come on. Mm-hmm. And she's a sitting congressman. And to the Star Tribune, can you light a fire over there? This is a huge—she's become an, an intergalactic superstar right. in the past three years. And 
it's in the home. The Star Tribune sits in the middle of, of the 5th Congressional District. It, Where are they? It, it seems to me that her defenders would say that people like us are merely uh, trying to undermine her or ruin her or bring her down unfairly because we're racist or Islamophobic or what have you. I My concern about Ilhan Omar has always been that I just don't think she has much care for the United States. Now, I don't. maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What's your take on that? She hates the United States. Uh, thank you. I wanted that. <laughs> okay. I didn't want that take, but I, w- I was imagining that's the take. Um, this, but, you know, my piece of this story, many other people have picked it up. Um, there's a new book out, which I brought along with me today, um, by Ben Weingarten called American Ingrate. I've heard and, of the and, book. And if you want to know uh, anything about the subject you're talking about, her views, her worldview, her politics, this is the, the go-to to place right now. But my little piece of this was, did you marry your brother? Mm-hmm. And are you married to two men? And was that second marriage entered for fraudulent purposes? And I think the answer to all those questions is yes. I also detest her politically, but that, at this point, that's that's coincidental. I just think it's a huge story. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, because it would disqualify her from her congressional seat. I mean, she'd be out of here. If the, remember, Do you remember what the Star Tribune did with Rod Grams's son? I vaguely do, sure. Yeah. They, they were running a story approximately every week on his... Uh, in, encounter with law enforcement as a result of his drug problems. It was Rod Grams's son. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Rod <clears throat> Grams. He he had difficulties with one of his kids, and it was you know like page B one of the Star Tribune every darn week. Well, how about how about this story? I think what we're facing, and 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 this is where it becomes eerie, is that the faults that rational people might find with her, her anti-Semitism, her. Uh, that's being used. Uh, her defenders don't wish to disabuse anybody of that. They find it to be points of her virtue. Does that make sense? That, in other words, her what we consider her shortcomings uh, are considered uh, her virtues among her followers. This is what they thrill to. Um, I, I, I covered the um, special DFL 5th District Endorsing Convention on June 17th, 2018. You know, Keith Ellison pulled out at the last minute, a Mm -hmm. day before the filing deadline. So uh, so all of a sudden there was a vacancy and the 5th District DFL held a special convention. I went to that convention on a Sunday, it was Father's Day. I sat there for four hours and I wouldn't have understood that her base over in the 5th District are the millennial fruitcakes of Minneapolis, like the mayor, mm-hmm. like Mayor Fry. Mm-hmm. And they thrill to this stuff. Uh, everything we detest about her is what they're excited about. What are we facing then? Well, I think she's, she's representative of, she's the wave of the future in the Democratic Party. I mean, we, we face the Bernie Sanders future. Yeah, she's, she's campaigning for Bernie. Right. And she must find his worldview appealing. That means she must uh, frown upon capitalism. She must frown upon individual liberty and personal freedoms and achievements and wishes to replace that with what? A socialistic state? This Ben Weingarten in, in his book talks about this uh, Islamist Marxism. I mean, it's just a, a weird... Uh, uh, it's a weird body of thought, but I mean, I think that's where she's coming from, and I can't purport to understand it, but I think everything you say is on the money. Scott, a couple of days ago, it was reported that the FBI is going to be investigating this very story. What do you think will become of it, if anything? Because it's not like us requesting an interview. This is the FBI. She's going to have to speak to them if they seek that, correct? Well, I don't think it will. I I was invited to that meeting. It occurred on October t- uh, 10th. Okay. Uh, with an FBI agent who's been assigned to act as a conduit for federal agencies uh, with respect to which Omar's activities might raise an issue. My guess would be nothing is going to happen. She is a protected person. I can't tell you why, but I, I need to go back to 2016. I think that she. I think that when I started writing about this in 20, August of 2016, 
she was under investigation by the federal authorities, and I think there is an investigative file on her, and I think that she it's not just this, but I think she's she's they looked at the marital issues, the family issues, the immigration issues, and and other public correct uh, corruption issues. And it just isn't going to go anywhere unless a senior official in the Department of Justice or the president uh, directs them to follow up. She's she's a sitting congressman plus. And um, I just don't think that investigation is going to go anywhere. I'm, I'm pursuing it as a story. I'm trying to light a fire under conventional outlets. They seem to have spiked it. I met with an AP investigative reporter last year. I don't know what happened to his story. Um, uh, where's it? And in the meantime, my sources are being, you know, are, are, are victims of terroristic threats in her district by her enforcers, people who are speaking on her behalf, um, which I've posted on Powerline. And they extend to one of the other guys who has researched this story over the past two years is David Steinberg. And this Omar enforcer in Minneapolis, whom they all know, they, they the Somalis all know he's a Somali uh, uh, criminal. Um, is uh, issuing disgusting threats of physical violence against David Steinberg, and we have them archived. Is he a local guy? David is on the East Coast, yeah. but this guy doesn't seem to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't, couldn't she make you go away and me go away with just a simple couple of DNA tests? And um, why wouldn't she? I think it would be easier than that. I mean, she's got... I, I wanted to say that I, I, there was an investigation I th- that I think was undertaken in 2016, and Tom Lydon at KMSP News. I mean, he is a respective investigative mm-hmm. reporter. He mm-hmm. was he's been over there for 30, 30, uh, nearly 30 years. Um, he reported that the invest that she was being investigated, and and Jean Brandle, remember her? Yeah, the attorney. She called up Andy Luger, who was the United States attorney for Minnesota at the time. This is in, in, in August of 2016. This is when this uproar has been going on for about five days. I started writing about it on August 12th, I think. Or, uh, it had been going on for 10 days in my world, but the Star Tribune didn't pick it up till about August 16th or 17th or something like that. And then the local media really was in an uproar and... Uh, Leiden reported this story that she was under investigation uh, for immigration, her immigration status. And Andy Luger sent a letter at the request of Jean Brandle mm-hmm. uh, stating that she was not under investigation and that Luger had never asked. His office wasn't investigated, nor have we requested an investigation into Ms. Omar. Well, you know, a lot about this case came out last year because of the Minnesota State Campaign Finance Board investigation of Ilhan Omar. And I went and picked up that file when it became publicly available right after their findings. And it found her guilty of all this penny-ante corruption. Right. Uh, And reading that file, I understood for the first time that this August 22nd, 2016 letter from Andy Luger to Gene Brandle killed the newspaper and media interest in this story. That was the end of it. They, they were in victory mode at that point. And I, it occurred to me to ask Andy, you know, what documents did you look at before you sent this letter out? And did you ever send another letter like this while you were United States attorney? And he did respond to my email, uh, which I brought along with me today, too. And, and he, his response to me was, thanks, I will pass on this. Mm-hmm. So then I asked Erica McDonald, the sitting United States attorney, say, I'd like to get one of these letters. Can yeah. you give me a, 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 a statement that I'm not under investigation? Right. And, uh, and, and by the way, is Ilhan Omar under investigation? And of course, the, the DOJ policy is that you don't answer those questions. So I'm still trying to figure out, how did, how did Ilhan Omar get this letter from Andy Luger that killed this story back in 2016? So I think that bears on this question you raise uh, about law enforcement and so on. I don't look for relief on that front. She seems to be a protected person. And this is just another loose thread. Protected, protected why? Because she checks all the boxes of, of the progressive left? And she's Muslim, a- female, immigrant, black. Uh, but she's better protected than a, a senator or a representative that has been in there 30 years. Why? I don't know. Well, I think I just answered it. She, she fits the template of, of news gathering institutions, for example. She is protected from scrutiny. But what, what do you think her end game is? Let me, let me turn it around. What if, let, let's, look, let's flip this upside down. 
she, uh, her posture would seem to suggest that you people are harassing me. Uh, everything I've been d- done is, on, is up and up and completely legal. And this is just proof of your uh, Islamophobia and your, uh, your misogynistic behavior, plus you're all white, and you just resent the fact that this young black woman has risen to such power in such short a time. I'm innocent of everything. Let's say that all that's true. It still goes away with a DNA test. Well, I, let me just add this. Um, she has played the media for chumps uh, over the past couple years in a number of respects. And I'm going to lose my train of thought on this, but in October... We tw- do every day. Don't <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You fit right in. <laughs> in October of 2018, Stephen Montemayor at the Star Tribune did one of these, you know, there are hanging issues about Ilhan Omar stories that would seem to be obligatory. They didn't do a real story, but but Steve noted that there were these issues that we'd raised in 2016, and they haven't been resolved. And uh, he asked her about them for that story, and she showed him on her cell phone what Steve called her resettlement papers. But he wouldn't let... Uh, he wouldn't. She wouldn't let him copy them, and she wouldn't let him jot the names down. And um, what does that tell you? Uh, and this was to prove because um, Steve reported that Ahmed Elmi was not named as one of her siblings. Well, she came in with the Omar family. Mm-hmm. She she came in as a fraudulent member of another family. So that's why it doesn't didn't prove anything. You know what Steve saw didn't prove anything. But I wrote him and I asked him, Steve, did you write down any names? Do you remember any names on there? Because I, I wanted to talk about who who else came in with her. And he said, no, he didn't remember anything, and she wouldn't let him write down, write down anything. In 2019, the Star Tribune did a serious story, and I have to say this because I'm bad-mouthing them, but on June 23rd of last year, Montemayor and Patrick Kulikan did what was a, It was the most read story at the Star Tribune in the year of 2019, mm-hmm. and it was a 3,000-word story on this issue. It, mm-hmm. it was elicited by... The campaign finance board file. I mean, it was like two weeks after the campaign finance board. I remember were, this, and, okay, yeah. and I'd been writing about it every day on Powerline, trying to embarrass them into, into covering this file because in the file was the email correspondence between the Ilhan Omar crisis campaign crisis committee featuring Ben Goldfarb managing this crisis for her. Uh, it was a crisis like Chappaquiddick. You know, you convene yep. the <laughs> you can convene the uh, the thinking heads to say, well, what the heck do we do now? Right. Well, this is a fine mess you've gotten me into. Well, here's the emails, and Ben Goldfarb says, why don't we reach out to the Star Tribune and kill this story the way we've done with the other ones or whatever words to that effect. And I I posted this email of correspondence on Powerline while I'm trying to embarrass the Star Tribune. Well, the Star Tribune never covers that. Right. But they do cover the campaign finance board. You know, the funny thing, one of the other indexes of fraud in this marriage is the campaign finance board, in doing this investigation of penny anti-corruption, finds that she she filed joint tax returns with Ahmed Hersey, to whom she was not married, mm-hmm. in 2014 and 2015, while she was married to Ahmed Noor Saeed Elmi. Well, how did that happen? Right. That's illegal. Uh, it's illegal, but the marriage was a joke. Right. That's why they did it. I mean, it was never—it was never a serious thing. So, uh, so that prompts the Star Tribune to start asking these questions again. And she gives them the Star Tribune, which has served as her protector for the past two years, the previous two years, treated her like a celebrity, mm-hmm. not not subject to the same standards as say Rod Graham's. Right. Uh, uh, she attacks them as being in cahoots with bigots like us. Yeah. If they if they if they follow this, that's a statement that the Star and the Star Tribune runs this statement from Omar for like four paragraphs, which all of which is a non-response imputation of bigotry. That's right. Trying trying to scare them off the story, but they, they of course they search high and low for anything, any fact to suggest the bona fides of this marriage to Ahmed Elmi. They can't find anything. Read this 3,000-word story. There's nothing in it where they, they're looking. They got two reporters on it for two weeks. How did, it get, how did she get so quickly from a Minnesota House seat to a U.S. Congress seat? Um, I thought that, that Keith Ellison seemed to have orchestrated things for her, but I'm not sure that uh, there's an era of good feelings between... Ellison and Omar, she's done so much to alienate 
the Fifth District Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Um, that that wasn't Ellison's uh, gig at that time. Right. He, he he had support in in the Jewish community. He was endorsed by the American Jewish World. He he, he um, had fundraising uh, by prominent Jewish supporters in the in the Fifth District. Um, but I, I, if you look, how was Ellison nominated in in uh, 2006? If you read an account of that convention, you know where Martin Sabo tried to name a successor, mm-hmm. which his chief of staff, Ellison stood up before that convention and said, "If you want a lefty guy, I'm the real deal." Right, and and that's what they thrilled to. That's what and that's what I saw again in in, in June of 2018 at the endorsing convention. I think that's what they want. All right. Yeah. Does the typical Minnesotan care about this woman? I think they. She. I think they do. I mean, the stuff that I've been writing about this. I'm surprised I haven't killed our site. I've written so much about her because, <laughs> you know, we do have an audience outside Minnesota. But in Minnesota, the interest. Is, look at look at the Star Tribune story. Was the most read story on the Star Tribune site last year by far. Well, let's pinpoint it even more. Yes, I th- I agree. I think the the typical Minnesotan does. But do enough people in the fifth con- congressional district care enough, Scott? Well, I think they ha- they have the attitude that Joe was. I think they have her attitude that she's just uh, fa- falsely being attacked by people who are ho- hostile to her. Um, but you know that's just a lie. Uh, I-, I bear her no ill will uh, personally. I've always said the same thing. I I uh, I, I have not no personal axe to grind. I'm just very concerned about her view of the United States. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't care one way or the other about anything else. I've stayed away from this affair she supposedly had with her consultant, and and the hundreds of thousands of dollars that seemed to get funneled to his outfit. And uh, so that would be, if they marry, that'd be husband number three, I think. Th- that's another story. And, yeah. you know, I, ha- yes, I had that story from my Somali sources before the Daily Mail, and I was told in detail about the affair and who he was and so on and so on. And it, I just kept saying, I can't use that. I can't use that. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a tabloid thing. It's a tabloid And if you thing. want the news, you got to go to the Daily Mail <laughs> <Right>. or the <laughs> New York Post. And uh, it's unbelievable. We're in a news blackout. Joe, you're 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 a, a journalist. What do you make of it? I mean, it's a media story. The, the the blackout is a media story. Let me read some names to you and see if they ring a bell with you as they might as these names might relate to Ilhan Omar. Hodan Hassan, state representative uh, and assistant majority leader, Minneapolis. I, I don't know. Okay, Carlos Mariani, state rep, St. Paul. Dai Tao. Uh, Council Member St. Paul, Nadia Mohammed, Councilwoman St. Louis Park, uh, Shelley Dahlquist, Council Member Moorhead, Keith uh, Kim Ellison, uh, Chair of the Board of uh, Education in Minneapolis. She, she's Keith's ex. Marnie Zong, Chair, St. Paul Public School Board, Angie Hansen. Well, I'll stop. My point is uh, Bernie Sanders has released the names of all his Minnesota contributors and Minnesota uh, supporters. And... Uh, uh, Tasneem Abdallah, board member, American Muslims for Palestine in the Twin Cities. Uh, Fahima Ahmed, Somali community activist. Uh, Rita Allen, Dominique Diego, uh, Maryam Khatib, chair, American Muslims for Palestine. So none of these are necessarily ringing a bell. Uh, her support for Bernie, of course, is well known. She uh, often leaves her congressional duties to go campaign for Bernie and in other states, and, and uh, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think her end game is? Where does she want to end up? Well, I think she's very ambitious. Yeah, I mean, whatever's the next rung up. I mean, it could be. I, I assume she. They all want to move up to United States Senate or or some cabinet position. I mean, with Bernie, the sky's the limit. What can uh, you say? Right. Oh. You're right. Oh God. Uh, I just wanted to add one point on on this. Indicia of fraud when, mm-hmm. when 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 people you know you you're you're talking about the attacks on the, the two or three of us who've pursued this story her family and her her marriages and you know, I, I want to emphasize for fraudulent purposes mm-hmm. it's not, I have no interest in her personal life and mm-hmm. in fact I I didn't write about it when it was offered to me but the 2009 marriage which was her first legal marriage mm-hmm. to Ahmed Elmi in 2009. Uh, we have the marriage certificate. 
You know, if when you read her her state her 2016 statement that that this Ben Goldfarb helped about I was married in my faith tradition, I was divorced in my faith tradition, then I you know I married this guy, and uh, and and um, and then she's remarried in her faith tradition to Ahmed Hersey, mm-hmm. and uh, and then she's ultimately divorced from her brother Ahmed Elmi in 2017, and she marries legally marries Ahmed Hersey, and just in time to divorce him in 2019. But we have the marriage certificate from 2009, and it's signed by a Christian minister, mm-hmm. and I mean. Everything in the statement is about her faith tradition. How does that work? Her legal marriage is is signed off on by a Christian minister. It's a farce. You alluded to this earlier. We need to explore it further. Uh, who is it or what agency is going to have to say, I or we intend to uh, get to the bottom of this? Is that uh, the judicial department, justice department? Well, the, the it, president would be roundly mocked if he entered the fray. Right. He, he actually... Joe, I'm, I'm not sure you know, but I was invited to that FBI meeting with the FBI on October 10th. That night, I didn't go. That night, I did go meet with President Trump. It was the night of his Minneapolis rally. Mm-hmm. And I had been invited by the White House to come meet with him. I thought he wanted to ask me about Ilhan Omar and right. ask, ask me for additional information. In his speech, the speech that he gave that night, he t- he quoted my stuff from Powerline and he talked about me. And he said, he said, Scott, you're doing a, th- this is in front of twenty thousand right. people right. on on live television. Right. He says, Scott Scott Johnson, Powerline, you're doing a great job. And he quoted something I'd written uh, two weeks before to the effect that everything about Ilhan Omar is a fraud, including her name, which I, I you know I thought was funny, and I wish I hadn't put it quite that harshly, but it was good enough for the president. I thought his, someone on his staff had been reading me pretty closely. I was flat, flattered by that. But he pointed to the press, and he said, Scott, the only problem is they won't cover it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like an illustration of his point. He's a pretty damn good media critic. It wasn't covered. Unless, right. The only people I know who, who know about it are people who are watching it live. Right. It's incredible. And you think there might be a sidebar to the local angle of the story? It was in it was in the story that he attacked Ilhan Omar in Minneapolis. But you know the allusions to the research that I've done over the past three years went missing, and, and his quote quotation of me in the speech. How much time does she actually spend here? I can't answer that. I know yeah. she. You know she had the Daily Mail, courtesy of the Daily Mail. We know she has a very nice condo in yeah. downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I. There's a lot more to be said. Well, I've got nothing but time. I, 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 it's interesting. You can now watch on Amazon Prime the 2016 documentary Time for Ilhan, mm-hmm. which I got around to watching a couple weeks ago. And it's just so interesting. Her father, her father's given name in the movie is Nur Saeed, which is what we've been reporting all these years. I think his name is Nur Saeed Elmi. That, that isn't what you'd find if you look up on Wikipedia about her. They give another name. But, you know, it's this, this family name, Saeed Elmi, with mm-hmm. the, and it would give, give, all, give away the game. Right. But in the, in the documentary, he's identified as Nur Saeed. Uh, and there, there's a fraction of a second screenshot of my post from August of 2016, uh, her back pages, mm-hmm. that created this uproar for a few days uh, about her campaign. And the documentary, which is a complete hagiography, you know, uh, the, the, the documentary filmmaker who made that is just so lucky that she, you know, she won the race and turned out to be a superstar. Uh, the documentary, she's, she, the documentary filmmaker who only wants to portray Ilhan as, you know, the hero of the progressive left and this, the new, the great new thing. She's expelled from the campaign for two weeks, and mm-hmm. it just goes black. Mm-hmm. She says, and it picks up two weeks later. And if you want to know what was happening during those two weeks, you have to go to the campaign finance board file and read the emails with her crisis committee and, and, in which they're figuring out, well, what the heck do we do now? The truth is taking a terrible beating here. Well, I wish we could get some serious reporters to cover the story. I just think it's a hell of a story. Well, it's 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 not only a hell of a story; it's it's quite literally that you know. This is a lot bigger than Barack Obama's birth certificate in Hawaii or whatever. This is I mean, there's some legitimate stuff here as opposed to that kind of dog chasing his tail uh, fights uh, what eight years ago. Are what? you familiar, uh, Scott, with uh, 
Dahlia Al-Akidi. I am familiar with her, she, uh, her presence on the social media. She moved here again. recently, yeah. running against yeah. Ilhan Omar. Do you know anything about her? I, j- just what, what you know, but I, I would say that the 5th District is a D plus 26 district. It's What's that mean? It means that uh, uh, as of a few years ago, it was Democrat plus 26. It's one of the most heavily Democratic districts, one of the top five most heavily Democratic districts in the United States. It's you know vying with San Francisco for the honor as the most Democratic district in the country. A Repu- uh, that l- lady is running for the Republican nomination. Right. It's not so much of interest to me who the Republican candidate is, but she's got opposition within the DFL. Uh, one of the, her opponents is a Somali woman named Layla Adan. Mm-hmm. She, she Layla is a patriot. She, unlike Omar, she's she's not a hater. Mm-hmm. And we need uh, positive Somali voices like my friend Layla Adan, mm-hmm. uh, who's who's helped me over the past year as well. Uh, so I haven't been as excited as others have been about about that lady as right. I am about Layla, who's saying some of these things from it. She's she's a has been a, my friend Layla has been a, a Bernie supporter. I, I I don't know if she still is, but m- more important to me is she's not a hater. She loves the United States. She wants to repair the damage that Omar has done to community relations, including to the Jewish community in the fifth district. So I would like to see some coverage of her, and I would like to see her prosper. It's, it seems unlikely that Omar could lose that seat. That, um, that's my take. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, she, I think she's strong for the reasons I've been trying to say, is mm-hmm. that that's what the 5th District DFL seems to want, is uh, the, um, the Bernie bro hatred of the United States. That's what they thrill to. Is anything going to come of the campaign finance illegalities? Um, the state campaign finance board issued these findings that found that she had... Uh, violated Minnesota state campaign finance law in 2016 right. in nine respects. Uh, I think that there are going to be... Uh, the, the one problem is that the Federal Election Commission, Commission doesn't have a working... Uh, uh, what do you call it? They don't, they don't have a... They don't have enough members to hold a meeting. Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not really a functioning agency at this point, but I, I think that some public corruption issue could well uh, impact her career. Uh, she she is not a uh, a straightforward person. She's she's f- plays fast and loose with the law. As a Minnesota state uh, 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 campaigner, it's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. I just had to hit that to keep that alive. Go ahead. Uh, uh, you know, it, running for the state legislature, she she was incredibly. She didn't care what the law was. And she lied about it in the deposition that they took over there. Well, well, now that she's got millions of dollars in the bank, you think she's more careful? I think she's probably less. Mm-hmm. But but that's just a guess. And uh, and and the stuff with the uh, her her lover, I mean, seems to suggest that there's probably, if somebody turned over a few rocks, and looked at cash coming in, uh, they they might find something. I wish I didn't didn't feel so despondent about this That's because good. it's really a serious thing and That's terribly I'm, serious. I'm not laughing about it anymore because my friends, you know, feel like they are at risk. And you were talking last week about Abdi Noor, who was the source for the Daily Mail story right. that came out. Yeah. Uh, Do you know uh, him? I, he was my first. He, when after I start after I started writing about this in August of 2016. Abdi called me, and I've met with him regularly for the past three and a half years, and. Everything he's told me has I, I didn't rely on it. His English is rough uh, until last year, and, and when I was sure I understood what he was saying, it took me a while to, to be sure I understood what he was saying. But I do know him very well, and he is scared. He is being terrified right now. We need some help. We need some newspaper coverage. We need some police protection over there. Uh, uh, Abdi talked to me on his own nickel. Uh, you know, as a source for three and a half years. And Omar's response to the Daily Mail story mm-hmm. was that he was getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And what that, I mean, it's just more of the same. What does it tell you that she's lying about that? Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And I can tell you, he was a source for me for three and a half years for free. What, what, how have you cultivated your sources in that community? You know, it's all relationships, but one person leads to another. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would say I've got a pretty, 
good following of Somali readers because the Star Tribune isn't covering the story. And they know I've been careful. What motivates you about this particular topic? Well, you know, sitting here in the Twin Cities, I I started writing about Minnesota politics. I was telling you about Ben Whitney and Norm Coleman. And, and, uh, you know, I feel like if there's a story in our backyard, we should be covering it. Well, this is, as I say, you know, a heck of a story. I feel like I should be covering. And I'm trying to do, do the job that the Star Tribune won't do. And I would be happy if I could get them to do their job. It, it seems the more power she gets, the more celebrity. She doesn't really have any power yet. Uh, she's working towards that. But she has incredible celebrity status. Incredible. And it seems the more that status builds, the more she builds up these layers of protection around her that make it easier and easier and easier for her to fire back at her critics that they have ulterior motives, that they merely don't like her because she's black, they merely don't like her because she's Muslim. No, that, that's not why I don't like her. Uh, she, here's a good good question. Does she like me? Does she like you, John, Chris, Well, Joe, Matt? we don't like you. That's true. <laughs> Does she like us? Does she like us? Well, without knowing me, she, you know, she gave me the statement that... Um, uh, Does she care about us? I No. No. Oh. I don't think she cares about her constituents. You know, the, the, this... this uh, the imputation of bigotry to to reporters who ask her these questions is false. But Somalis in the fifth district, they you know they've learned a lot about her via the Daily Mail and the New York Post and and Powerline and other sources. They're not happy. They thought she was out for them. You know she she. Let me just give you one example. Uh, she claimed credit for a provision in a recent. Uh, I forget what the name of the bill was, but it authorized defense funds and other funds, uh, including debt relief for Somalia, which was which meant a lot to S- Somalis in the fifth district. She claimed credit for the passage of the bill on Twitter, mm-hmm. but she voted against it. Really, and and, and when the Somalis, my Somali friends, are incredulous. They they ask me, did she really vote against this? So you know, I did I did a few clicks and and sent them the the vote. And she, here she is on Twitter claiming credit for this passage of this bill giving Somalia debt relief while having voted against it. They're not thrilled with her. No. Does all this talking make you hungry? <laughs> Makes me hungry. I, I want something I want to I want to get Scott to Grunhofer's. Grunhofer's, oh, old, tell him about it. Grunhofer's <laughs> old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, the North. I got an email from Nick in Champlin. What did he say? On Valentine's Day, he was in a jam. His wife didn't want to go out to dinner. She wanted him to make the meal. Oh. So he went to Grunhofer's, and he got prime rib. And he writes, on Valentine's Day, I followed Grunhofer's prime rib cooking instructions to a T, and the result was a masterpiece. Not only did the prime rib look and smell amazing, it was yeah. absolutely delicious and melted in your mouth. My wife, who's 5'7 and all of 110 pounds, ate not one, but two thick slabs of prime rib during dinner. Then later on, as we were getting ready to retire for the night, my wife remarked that she hoped she would be eating more of that prime rib in her dreams. Get out. In her dreams. Don't tell me. At that point, I declared the mission a success. Thanks, Grunhoffers. You got me through another Valentine's Day unscathed. Uh, I would also like to thank you, Joe, for continuing GL with the podcast. I work as a police officer in the city with the tallest buildings in Minnesota. Listening to GL is my theory, uh, my therapy for dealing with the mystery, which we're discussing today with Scott Johnson. Uh, Thank you, uh, Nick from Champlin, and thank you, uh, Grunhoffers. Grunhoffers takes care of all kinds of problems, don't they? We got great weather coming this weekend for grilling. Visit Grunhoffers Old Fashioned Meats. At the north end of Hugo on Highway 61, we're going to take a break and be back with Scott Johnson. Here is your latest Ilhan Omar report on Garage Logic. Scott Johnson of the Powerline blog is with us, and we're going to begin to wrap this up. Uh, we've been discussing Ilhan Omar and her troubling view of America, which is my concern. Uh, anybody that supports Bernie Sanders has got my concern. Uh, but you've had great sources on this project. Correct. And, uh, and everything they've told me over the past three and a half years has proved to be true. I, I did this mostly by 
developing relationships in the Somali community, for which I'm very grateful, and I've learned so much. It's changed my view of, the, of Minneapolis' Somali community, uh, getting to know these people and hearing another point of view. I don't think Ilhan Omar is representative. I might be wrong about that, but, I, but uh, at this point, I do not believe Ilhan Omar is representative of Minneapolis' Somali community. Mm-hmm. She's representative of, the, of this bizarre Islamic Marxism that Ben Weingarten writes about in his new book. But that's been the path I've gone down for the past three and a half years. And pursuing really another avenue of research have been two people I just wanted to mention. First was Priya Samsunder at Alpha News mm-hmm. in, in Minneapolis. And Priya... Uh, was great. Follow, you know, she's much younger than I am, and she followed up on, on many of these issues in social media and found the family relationships uh, that have become apparent to me from talking to people and picking. Priya now works for the uh, GOP for the National Party. I think mm-hmm. she's working for the. Uh, she's relocated to Des Moines uh, through the election. But picking up from Priya is an incredible, he's really a genius researcher named David Steinberg. Mm -hmm. David wrote four long uh, pieces based on social media research and and some uh, Minnesota sources that he he published on PJ Media in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I know I emailed links to all these to... Uh, the editor of the Star Tribune, Renee Sanchez, back in 2018, I said, are you ever going to get around to covering Ilhan Omar before she's elected? I, mm-hmm. I, I think I wrote him before the Democratic, did the DFL primary in, uh, in August of 2018 when there were, there were, you know, she had three serious opponents. And I'd gone to the debate between her and the DFL opponents. And the Star Tribune really didn't even serve its core DFL readership well because it downplayed the opposition to her. And, and there was really a substantial candidate who's now serving as Governor Walz's uh, transportation secretary, I think, mm-hmm. um, and, and another one. But, but um, David published these four pieces on PJ Media, and he has continued researching her. And we published on Powerline a long post that summed up a lot of this social media uh, material that's out there documenting the family relationships that shows that she is the brother of the guy she married in the year 2009. And that is published on Powerline. It's by David under the title, Tying Up Loose Threads in the Curious Case. I started writing about this for the uh, Manhattan Institute as the curious case of Ilhan Omar and refer to that occasionally, uh, trying to keep kind of an air of good humor about it, but it's really not funny anymore. In in August of 2019, when the Star Tribune had their long piece, did she sit down with the Star Tribune at any point? It, it was published on June 23, 20, June. of last year, yep. which was a big deal for me, and uh, on a Sunday. And uh, uh, she gave them a four-page statement. They asked to talk with her father, her sister, Ahmed Elmi. Yep. They asked her to talk to them, right. and she instead issued a, through a spokesman. She did not meet with them in person. Never, and, and she gave them a four-paragraph four, page, a four statement mm-hmm. uh, uh, accusing them of bigotry for collaborating I re- with the I remember that. My, my, my reasoning for asking that is it's hard to imagine a sitting U.S. congressman or congresswoman who has never had a sit-down with their local newspaper. That's amazing. Isn't that something? Yeah. Not on this subject. Yeah, I guess not. Uh and it's not, how tough is it? She's got this one-page statement that's still out there that was crafted for her. You know, all of this stuff about her faith tradition that's, mm. you know, supposed to mystify everybody. Um, that's po- I think it's posted, uh, the, the URL includes KSTP. It's this you know, nonsense about I married this guy in my faith tradition. We got divorced in my faith tradition. They, what David discovered via social media and, and related research is that they never separated. Mm-hmm. She was with her husband uh, Ahmed Hersey the whole time mm-hmm. until, you know, events took over in, in, in last year. So she's now divorced. But this whole business about, you know, this interlude with Ahmed Elmi is a lie mm-hmm. crafted to cover up why they got married in, in 2009. And it's hard, it's hard to talk about this without sounding like a nut. Mm-hmm. But you can look at this stuff with your own eyes, which is why I'm trying— which you can do. I mean, it's on Powerline. The Daily Mail has covered it. They've they've published the the cert- marriage certificate I'm referring to. I think in the story that I they saw put. it. Yeah, yeah, they did. And 
it's it's just a it's a mind-boggling story. We've never seen anything like it. It's not garden variety no. uh, public corruption. It's something new under the sun. To win a congressional seat, you can't do it by yourself. You have to have a pretty good machine behind you. As a newcomer, who are she's her, a newcomer? Who are her people? That is a good question. I'm just thinking. Uh, uh, Mogadishu's Moose and Rocco, it sounds well, like, huh? She's, her, her, her campaign manager is so far left, Joe. I, she's beyond Bernie. And uh, oh. Alpha News has, has a profile of this, of this campaign manager. I can't remember her name. But um, I think Ahmed, I am told by my Somali sources that Ahmed Hersey was really instrumental to her political success. Hmm. She had worked in the 2014 campaign of Mohammed Noor, Against Phyllis Kahn, right. they came close but didn't didn't knock off Phyllis in, in in 2014, and then she stepped forward in her own name, and you know the two of them, Ahmed Hersey and Ilhan Omar, are members of the, respectively of the two biggest Somali clans. I guess there are there are four or five, mm-hmm. but it was a big deal that they get when they got married, and Ahmed Hersey was was very helpful to her political success, and I was told he was the brains of the operation, but I'm sure she's had more help. And when this was a crisis in August of 2016, about is that who is this guy mm-hmm. that, that she married in 2009? And incidentally, Patrick Kulikan, he wrote a page one story. You know, the, when this uproar, I, we, we created this uproar, um, and and they flew in Ben Goldfarb to help her out. And Patrick Kulikan was working. They were they, they, the Omar campaign was trying to kill the story, but they did run one one a page one story in August of 2016 about this uproar. And um, uh, Patrick called me up and said, "Well, they've they've issued a statement denying that it's her brother." Mm-hmm. And and I asked him. He called me up and asked me to respond to it. And I say, "Well, who do they say he is?" Right. And he, he said to me, "They won't tell me." Mm-hmm. Incredible, and that's where they left it. They won't tell me, and, but and that's what he told me. He never reported that. Mm-hmm. That's what he told me over the phone, and I responded, uh, and made me think I was really onto something. Mm-hmm. So, well, you are onto something. Yeah. Well, are you, you going know, to remain honest? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I don't look for law enforcement to be the Deus Ex Machina, you know, that comes in and solves this problem. Right. I think. Uh, uh, there's more to it. I know David is still working on the story, and I, I mean to keep at it. I am not going to give it up. Well, I, 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 that's good. And people can read you at powerlineblog.com. Thanks, yeah. and thank you for having me. Really on. quick, before you go, yeah. you, you were talking about the FBI and how you uh, you declined the invitation, obviously, right. to go to the, the, the president's rally that particular night. Was there a follow-up? I mean, was yes. there any? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's on, the reason I didn't go was that all my Somali sources have demanded confidentiality, sure. in, including Abdi. That mm-hmm. uh, he met with me. We were both uh, we were both afraid of each other the first time we met, mm-hmm. uh, but um, he was afraid of me. I was ma- afraid of him. We met in a public place where security would be handy if anything happened. But in, in downtown Minneapolis, it was it was a Woodward and Bernstein kind really of a was, deal. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but but he has been under so much th- uh, these threats. He he came to the conclusion that he might be better off going public, and that's what he did with the with the Daily Mail. Um, Just so there's a, a paper trail, and it's it's exactly. Out in the open. Okay. And, and and we I posted a statement from him at his request on Powerline yesterday, saying this. I, I want I want you to know if anything happens to me, it's it's the friends wow. of Ilhan Omar who wow. did it. This is Minneapolis, and it's getting to be like Chinatown, where I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready to say. Joe, forget it. Forget Jake. it. Exactly. <laughs> Do you fear? It's Minneapolis. Do you have uh, safety concerns? No, no. But uh, if he does, then we should. Right. Why do you think I'm asking? I just, I, just, <laughs> I just wanted to say though that the reason I didn't go to that FBI meeting was that all I, I have many Somali sources, and they've all demanded confidentiality. I, I didn't want to be asked by the FBI guy, how do you know what, what you're telling me, sure. and, and say I can't tell you that. I can't identify these people. I didn't didn't want to go there. So that's the only reason I stayed away. He, the, Steve Draskowski has fo- is the guy who's yeah, followed we've up had with him the on the air. Yeah. And, and, and I, I believe that uh, Steve monitors what's ongoing in that matter. I just don't think anything is going to come of it. I would like well, to be Well, he's just wrong. another bad white guy. He's just another bigot. You mentioned David um, Steinberg, right. and I went and I followed him on Twitter. And an hour ago, this was his tweet. Today's Ilhan Omar fundraising email accuses her Minnesota uh, CD5 opponents of anti-black racism and Islamophobia. Her currently viable opponents, black male Democrat, 
black male Democrat, black female Muslim Somali Democrat, Iraqi female Muslim Republican, and a black male Republican. And that's what I'm saying. Everything is a lie. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Wow. Get a clue. Claire Bergeron, is that uh, her campaign manager? Claire Bergeron. I don't have the name in oh, mind. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, yeah. if that's the, the profile on Alpha yep, News, that would be like. her. Yep. And, and that was, uh, David had done some research and forwarded yeah, that. Yeah, very interesting yeah. research. <laughs> well, I just uh, remain astonished that she can have achieved what she's achieved without once acknowledging or sitting down with her local newspaper, not that they've been overwhelmingly enthusiastic in pursuing that. They should be. They did ask her to, though. They did, yeah. And thank you for bearing with me today. Oh, it was it's wonderful. Been a wild it's a wealth ride. of information. Thank you. Thank you. I have a feeling we'll be doing it again at some point. I'm available. Scott Johnson, PowerlineBlog.com. This makes me want to go to a hardware store. Oh, yeah. Huh? I just want to go. To, I want to go to Fratelloni's and hear the creak of the wooden floors and buy some uh, hardware. Uh, nuts and bolts. Chrome. That's I want chrome. Is. I want them to lay in some chrome nuts and bolts. <laughs> I'm bugging them all the time fix. to do that. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Say, if you want to check out some of the Minnesota podcasts that are out there, on your phone app, go to PodMN. Online, go to PodMN.com. We'll catch you next time. Garage Logic podcast version.